0: beautiful sunny saturday morning first saturday of april for your three hours of live and local radio on wntk 99.7 fm in new london new hampshire and W2BR 1490 a.m and 98.9 fm in Lebanon, new hampshire this is saturday sports talk your catch up on what's been happening around the area in high school and college sports i'm greg Fettel with you for the next hour catching up on what's happening at dartmouth this weekend what's been happening over the past weekend to look ahead and Some of the people in charge of the programs of high school sports in the Upper Valley to get us going for spring sports, which will be officially starting in just a a matter of days with tennis and track getting going next week and then baseball, softball, and uh, lacrosse within the week or so after that. And, of course, this is just for the first hour of three hours in live and local on NTK and UVR coming up at uh, 10 o'clock. We'll have Rob Woodard and Bob Hingston, once again, filling in for Rich Parker as he travels around the country with his Dartmouth Ben's golf team. Bob and Rob, or Bob and Woody, if you wish, will uh, have Valley Buzz for you at 10 o'clock, and uh, that'll take you up until about 12 to complete three hours of live local on WNTK and WUVR. Dapper Dan's down at the studio in New London. He can answer the phone at one 888 3151 To uh, get you on the program for any questions you may have or any topics you may want to discuss. But until we get to that point, let's do what we always do here on Saturday Sports Talk because not everything in the world of sports on Friday night made it into Saturday morning's newspaper. We're going to sit here and read about it. And the University of Connecticut women's basketball program has been the flagship program in the nation for the past, what, 15, 20 years? They've gone to the NCAA championship 11 times. They've won it every single time. But they've never had to go through a journey quite like they've had to go through this particular year. They have moved on to the NCAA final in women's hoop. They picked up a 63-58 win over defending champion Stanford in one of last night's two semifinal games in Minneapolis. Uh, Paige Buckers with 14 points to move Yukon uh, on the way. Coach Gino Oriema admitting afterward that uh, didn't necessarily have their best game offensively but they got the job done when it was necessary. It is the first trip to the finals for the Huskies since 2016 when they won the last of their four straight titles since then, they've had a number of heartbreaking defeats. Twice in the national semifinals, they've lost in overtime, and they had to get through this season, most of the season, without Buckers because of an early-season knee injury, but she appears to be mostly back and she's the straw that stirs the drink. That is UConn women's basketball this season. Who will they play? Well, a familiar face, or what has become the front-standing program in women's basketball in recent years. Don Staley, South Carolina Gamecocks. They strutted off the court with a 72-59 win over Louisville in the other semifinal last night. National Player of the Year Aaliyah Boston leading the way for the Gamecocks, 23 points. 18 rebounds to head into that title game. Bray Beal also matching her season high with 12 points. UConn and South Carolina in Minneapolis at the Target Center. That game is Sunday night for the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. Meanwhile, two very intriguing men's hoop Final Four matchups going down in New Orleans at the Superdome tonight. Of course, the one I think everybody's paying attention to is the ACC matchup between Tobacco Road foes a whopping 11 miles from each other's gymnasiums. That is Duke and UNC, of course. They have met at all levels of college basketball, but they've never played each other. Hard to believe they've never played each other in the NCAA tournament, and they've never played each other in a Final Four. Then you add on top of it, not just the tradition of the... Uh, purported elites of Duke versus the purported state school that is UNC, one of the better state schools in the country by the way but of course you also have the backdrop of this being Mike Krzyzewski's final year after 42 years with Duke 47 years of coaching altogether would it be a disappointing way for his career to end if his arch rivals were the ones to knock him out Back at the end of the regular season, UNC humbled Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium in what was Krzyzewski's final home game, one that he even told the crowd afterward that he thought was uh, unacceptable in the way that his team played. But they have looked pretty good as a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. UNC win it as a number eight seed playing anything but it. That is the late game in the final four tonight. The early contest is another battle of blue bloods who know each other very well from the NCAA tournament, Kansas and Villanova. Coaches Bill Self of the Jayhawks, Jay Wright of the Wildcats have met uh, on three other occasions at the Sweet 16 round or beyond. Uh, Kansas won one, and Villanova won the other two, and in each case, the winner of the Villanova-Kansas game went on to win the national championship. That's the early contest starting after 6 o'clock tonight down at the Superdome. NBA season coming up to the final week of the regular season. Boston Celtics continue to rumble on. They had a little bit of difficulty with a team that won't be going to the postseason last night, but still Jalen Brown had 32 points and Jason Hayden with 31. Help Boston beat Indiana 128-123 down at TD Garden. Eighth time this season that the guys that are sometimes called the Jays scored 30 points each. doesn't matter to them who's the guy leading. If one's got the shot, takes it, that's totally okay. Al Horford also helping things out with 17 points, 10 rebounds. Celtics have won, uh, had won 24 of 28 before a stumble against Toronto on Monday night without four of their starters, and then a loss to Miami on Wednesday, the first time they had lost back-to-back games in two months. But the big picture is Celtics are going to be in a good position when the playoffs do get started. We'll go into that in just a moment. Celtics will be hosting Washington tomorrow to start off their final week of regular season play. Just four games left for the Celtics. Last night's scoreboard saw Toronto win in Orlando, 102-89. Washington, the Celtics' foe tomorrow night down at the Garden, they were 135-103 winners at home over Dallas. Also, Sacramento 122, Houston 117, Memphis 122, Phoenix 114. Clippers rolled it up on Milwaukee, 153-119. Pistons 110-101 over Oklahoma City. San Antonio moving into that last playoff spot of the West. Details on that picture in a moment, 131-11. They beat Portland last night. win for Minnesota in Denver, 136-130. And the failing Lakers lose at home to New Orleans, 114-111. But we know the playoff situation in the NBA. We know the 10 teams that are going to play And for the most part, we know the four that are going to be in the play-in round. Cleveland, Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Atlanta. Right now, the Celtics are third in the Eastern Conference. They are one game up on Philadelphia, which has only won uh, five of its last ten games and has a losing record in divisional play so far this year. So the Celtics are in a pretty good position to get at least a top three seed. But they're only a game and a half behind leading Miami and only a half game behind Milwaukee, so they could move up. The ladder even further before the regular season is done you couldn't have imagined this back in January meanwhile in the west Phoenix Memphis Golden State Dallas Utah and Denver hold down the top six spots Minnesota two games out of possibly taking the sixth seed from Denver but most everybody in the NBA only has four games or thereabouts left in the regular season so there's not a lot of room for Minnesota to get out of the western play in Clippers Pelicans and Spurs hold those other spots right now San Antonio by virtue of last night's win and the Lakers lost, knocked the Lakers out of the playoff picture. The uh, Los Angeles Lakers have five games left in the regular season if they're going to make it into the postseason play. would be interesting what might happen in L.A. in La La Land if... The Lakers fail to make the playoffs this year. Golden State guard Stephen Curry will have his left foot sprain reevaluated in about a week. Both he and the team are confident that his recovery timeline will allow him to be back for the start of the Western Conference playoffs sometime uh, in the next uh, week and a half, two weeks or so. Remember, he got hurt diving for a loose ball and colliding with the Celtics' Marcus Smart in a contest on March 16th. Curry's already missed seven games, should miss the last five games of the regular season. That finishes off a week from Sunday when Golden State takes on the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, World Cup soccer... Uh, draws are always interesting because you never really know how everything is going to cotton out and when it's all done there's always these interesting little subtexts out there on potential matchups and what it might mean. Well of course everybody watching yesterday's uh, draw for the Cotter game scheduled in November certainly latched on to the fact that the United States is going to run into one of its political and ideological foes in Iran for the first time since 1998 and this on the day after year-long discussions with the Iranians on getting their nuclear deal back in place fell apart so you know politics is definitely going to be part of the World Cup already has been between the decision to even give the games to Conor in the first place under uh, the pretext of bribes and corruption with uh, FIFA officials to make that decision. And then, of course, the construction process in which many uh, were charging Cotter with human rights violations for low pay and abusive work conditions for the people building the stadiums. U.S. in Group B not only has Iran, but will also have England, which is always a fun matchup between uh, the uh, mother country and the colonies. The U.S. and uh, the English played in the 1990, no, the 2010 game, Down in South Africa, that was a 1-1 draw. And, of course, there's the history of 1950 when the U.S. pulled off the stunning upset of the English in Brazil. The third spot for that group won't be determined for a while yet. Scotland and Ukraine had a matchup for a playoff that was supposed to be played a couple of weeks ago. Of course, that was off because of uh, dictator Vladimir Putin's brutal invasion of Ukraine. They will play in June. The winner of that match will then play Wales. Wales to determine who's the fourth team in Group B for the matchup for the United States, England, and Iran. The other groups, Group A, Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands, which should be the favorite in that one. Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Seemingly the national obsession in Mexico, get past the round of 16, it never seems to happen. Won't be very easy this time around. Defending champion France is in Group D, along with Denmark. Christian Eriksen, great story. Tunisia and the winner of playoffs involving Peru, Australia and the United Arab Emirates. Group E, Spain, Germany, Japan and the winner of a Costa Rica, New Zealand playoff. That could be the group of death, but we'll see. That's always something that soccer officials and aficionados like to identify. The most difficult group in-group play. the World Cup. I'm not sure if that's been determined quite yet. Canadians got themselves an interesting bunch. They're going to play Belgium. Second ranked team in the world, along with Croatia, the losing finalists from four years ago in Russia, and Morocco, Group G, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon in Group H will be Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Games began right around Thanksgiving in a U.S. calendar and will continue into the middle of December. Former U.S. national team goalkeeper Hope Solo was arrested after she was found passed out behind the wheel of a vehicle in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, with her two-year-old twins inside, according to police. She was arrested on Thursday at a shopping center parking lot in Winston-Salem, charged with driving while impaired, resisting a police officer, and a misdemeanor child abuse charge, released from jail, and has a court date on June 28th. Major League Soccer, which was off for the past, for the most part, two weeks for the final bits of World Cup qualifying back in full force tonight. New England Revolution will play at Foxborough against New York Red Bulls at 7.30. Trying to get back off the Schneid. Last two games they played, they've given up three goals each and lost both, not Bruce Arena-type soccer. 7.30 is the start time down at Gillette Stadium. Moving on to baseball, we're just a few days away from the start of the Major League season with the Boston Red Sox going down to New York to play the Yankees. And, of course, if you weren't already aware, you'll have all of the Red Sox action once again this year on WNTK 99.7 FM. Some injury updates. Uh, Chris Sale got a little bit of good news. They say that he has uh, seen some signs of recovery from the uh, rib injury, rib cage injury that uh, occurred during the lockout prior to the start of preseason, had another MRI on Thursday, and manager Alex Cora saying yesterday that it looks like there's some ce- some healing. Just a matter to see how he feels continuing from there. Left-handed pitcher Josh Taylor reporting some back soreness. He's a key guy out of the bullpen for left-on-left matchups uh, for the uh, Sox He uh, is uh, to be determined still whether or not he'll be ready for the opening day lineup. And, of course, James Paxton signed uh, in the offseason to give some depth to the starting rotation. But he's coming back for Tommy John surgery. He won't be back until the middle of the season for the Boston Red Sox. Sox were 9-3 losers in exhibition play against Tampa Bay yesterday. They will be at JetBlue Park this afternoon to play the Pittsburgh Pirates. New York Mets got some bad news yesterday. Ace Jacob deGrom's right shoulder has a stress reaction. He is going to be shut down for at least four weeks and quite possibly may not be available to the Mets until the middle of the season. Uh, MRI taken on Friday indicated the stress reaction. Team is not sure exactly what it is, whether it's overuse, whether it's mechanics, but they're going to have him not throw at all for at least four weeks if it can be avoided, and then they'll reevaluate and see if he could rejoin the team by then. That probably guarantees that Max Scherzer will start against this former team, Washington, on open day, opening day on Thursday. The L.A. Dodgers looking for a closer after Kenley Jensen left to go to Atlanta. Got a good one. Craig Kimbrell traded from the Chicago White Sox for outfielder A.J. Pollock yesterday. Kimbrell, of course, was very effective as a reliever for the Red Sox back in the day for the Braves prior to that, but struggled a little bit with the Cubs before getting a switch over to the White Sox at the end of the last year and started to get his form back for the Pale Hose and now has a new place to do his job. NHL last night, Buffalo 4, Nashville 3, Tampa Bay over the Chicago Blackhawks 5-2. Islanders beat the Rangers 3-0 behind a Semyon Varlamov shutout. Ottawa 5 and Detroit 2, and the Edmonton Oilers won in overtime beating St. Louis 6-5. Vegas was a 5-2 winner in Seattle, and the Anaheim Ducks ended an 11-game winless streak by beating Arizona 5 to nothing. your Boston Bruins have an evening date at TD Garden hosting Columbus tonight. The uh, Bruins still in the picture for possibly getting one of the top uh, three spots in their division, but as of this moment, a little bit behind uh, Toronto, looking at final 10-15 uh, games of the regular season. But the Eastern Conference playoff picture is pretty much cemented who's going to be there. Carolina, Rangers, Pittsburgh out of the Metropolitan Division, Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto out of the Atlantic Division, and Boston and Washington in the wild card. It's just a matter of who finishes up where. NFL news, uh, Las Vegas Raiders adding an arm to backup quarterback Derek Carr, reportedly agreeing to terms with Cleveland backup Nick Mullins. Uh, he figures to fight for the number two job with Garrett Gilbert in Las Vegas. Other news from the NFL, Colin Kaepernick, effort to get back in the NFL, will continue in Ann Arbor, Michigan this weekend. He's going to be throwing uh, an exhibition during halftime at the University of Michigan's spring game up at Michigan Stadium. Draft-eligible players will catch passes, and NFL team personnel will be allowed to watch. Miami cornerback Xavier Howard has secured his future with the Miami Dolphins. He's agreed to an extension on a new five-year contract worth more than $50 million dollars NASCAR is in Richmond for action this weekend the uh, cup series will race tomorrow afternoon with qualifying starting in about two hours PGA Tour is in uh, San Antonio for the Valero Texas Open Ryan Palmer has the lead at 10 under par through two rounds with Kevin Chappelle Matt Kuchar and Dylan Fratelli behind two shots back Keegan Bradley made the cut by a shot. He's at two under par, heading into the final event before the Masters next week, at which everybody was agog at the thought the Tiger Woods could actually compete. Woods flew into Augusta on Tuesday, had a practice round with his son Charlie and Justin Thomas, who was not his son. Uh, so let's let the speculation whether or not Woods will play in the tournament. I don't think he would be terribly effective given especially the amount of walking involved in the hills of Augusta National, but it would still be pleasant to see the five-time champion involved. Speaking of majors, LPGA is having its first one of the season and the last one to be held in Rancho Mirage, California, what used to be called the Dinah Shore. Is now the Chevron Championship, 51 years there, but after that it'll move to another location. The lead right now after two rounds belongs to Japan's Hinako Shibuno with three other golfers, including Americans Annie Park and Jennifer Cupcho, one shot back. That does read about it for you. A little bit later than usual, 9.23 at time. Yeah, we do have a question for you. A whole bunch of them in the bump music today. Check it out on Saturday Sports Talk. Back in a bit. So hour in the start of three hours of live and local on WNTA, WUVR. Broadwater just popped his head in here a moment ago. He'll be here with Bob Hingston filling in again on uh, Valley Bus, top of the hour, until 12 o'clock. Of course, Bob comes in when regular host Rich Parker has to hit the road with Dartmouth Golf. They've had their usual spring events, the uh, Big Green have, but uh, still have a few more uh, to go, which hence is why we have no Rick for Rich for the uh, third week in a row, I think. Uh, Rich's smack back in the middle of spring golf season. But there is still lots uh, going on with Dartmouth right now, even as uh, we wait for the start of the high school season. I had a chance uh, last weekend uh, to do a public address at the Dartmouth softball park for the Big Greens Sunday game with Yale and came away with a fairly uh, good impression of a team that doesn't have the most impressive record, but that's largely because of the competition that they've played through the spring season. Uh, Dartmouth did get uh, a win in uh, three games against yale over the weekend last weekend the bulldogs sweeping saturday's doubleheader but dartmouth came back very impressively on sunday for a ten three victory after getting through some defensive nervousness uh... a uh... unforced error On a throw from shortstop to first on a routine ground ball, uh, leading to an error and leading to an early Yale run. Dartmouth really batted around quite well. Uh, Mary Beth Kahalen, the catcher for the Big Green, impressed me. She had a uh, two-run home run in the contest. Alana Palou also looking very good offensively and defensively in left field. She made a great diving catch in the seventh inning to prevent Yale from getting some momentum going uh, late in game. Uh, Brooke Plonka, left-handed starter, uh, the uh, ace on the Dartmouth staff looked pretty good, went the distance, gave up the three runs. Uh, I believe uh, two of them were earned. Uh, did walk herself into situations, but her defense, uh, after that initial error in the first inning, got her through it. Uh, and uh, not, not bad for a program that hasn't had a lot of games. Had a couple last spring when uh, the Ivy League loosened things up and let teams play some regional opponents regardless of division. They were basically, um, uh, not enlightened, but uh, scrimmages was really all they were. I remember Dartmouth going down to play a few games at UMass, and I I think they might have had some at either Amherst or Williams or something like that. Uh, Just a chance to get the players out because, of course, lost 2020 to the COVID uh, pandemic and pretty much lost all of 2021. So the games that we saw here last weekend for softball baseball. First one's in Hanover in the better part of three years. Uh, so nice to see Dartmouth do well in, on the softball stadium. Both uh, of the ball teams, softball baseball, uh, certainly upgrading the competition they played last weekend, uh, from last weekend. This weekend, uh, it's going to be a bit of a battle for both of them. Softball's down at Princeton. The Tigers are 5-1 in league play. overall. They are the league leaders, uh, having won 10 of their last 12 games after dropping eight straight in a similar trip uh, for them to get the season started. This week, Dartmouth split a midweek doubleheader with Holy Cross on Wednesday. They took the first game 4-1. Lost the nightcap 5 nothing. Cahalen drove in two runs with a single. Uh, Panu had her first career home run uh, for the big green in that one, uh, the opener. And Planka struck out eight without a walk in going the distance in the opening game. You know she's going to get the start in game one today down at Princeton. Uh, Leela Hennessy, Kate Farron uh, providing a couple of the hits. Uh, Cah- Halen also uh, of the three that Dartmouth got in the nightcap loss two. Uh, to Holy Cross. Since the first official varsity season of softball uh, back in 1995, Dartmouth holds a 24-28 and record against the Tigers. Uh, of late, they've done pretty well, winning 14 of the last 15, uh, dating back to 2013. But, of course, uh, this is a much younger Dartmouth team this year. And, and, you know, I have to be honest, Princeton probably is facing the, the same issue as well. Everybody in the Ivy League is having not played league play since 2019 um and back in 2019 last time they met dartmouth took a three-game series in hanover but it took late game heroics all the way through and uh, even Planka got involved in it she got a win in relief in one of those contests one of the few carryovers from dartmouth from back then baseball meanwhile boy did they have a weekend last weekend brown came to town uh, first games at red roll field in a very long time And, uh, Dartmouth was more than impressive. They came up with two wins in three games, split the doubleheader on Saturday with a 5-3 win, a 4-2 loss, and then 14-1 all over Brown Sunday in the third game of the series. And that momentum takes the Big Green down to Philadelphia to play the best offensive team in the Ivy League, Penn, at Michael John Stadium today. Uh, Dartmouth, uh goes up against a squad that took two out of three from Columbia last weekend up in uh, New York, up uh, on the north end of Manhattan. And uh, you might even remember the last time these two squads played each other back in 2019. Uh, Quakers had a sweep in Hanover, but one of those games turned out to be the longest game in the history of Ivy League baseball. 21 innings that Penn ultimately took 21-15, basically a football score. Certainly don't want to see that happen again because it's a very long day on a cold weekend. Uh, But Dartmouth uh, certainly looking good after the Ivy League opener last weekend. Almost uh, got the sweep from Brown before uh, settling for that uh, three or two and one series. Uh, Seven hits, five runs for Tyler Cox in the three games. Kate Kretschmer and James House also hit 400 or better for the Big Green. Kretschmer uh, in the opening game had a two run homer in the seventh inning to break a a 3 3 tie basically the game-winning hit of that 5-3 verdict. And even though the Big Green lost, uh, Game 2 did get uh, a couple of shutout innings from Tristan Sarkone on the mound. Then, of course, the finale, Justin Murray Owned it. He went seven innings on the mound, uh, just allowed the one run, struck out a career-high 10, and also scored three runs to help out his own cause. Uh, 19 hits in the game for Dartmouth, so that's a good sign uh, that Dartmouth is ready to go for Ivy League play. And they're 9-9 they're nine nine overall, so you can't really sneeze at that uh, given the caliber of some of the competition they played down in Florida during their uh, early season break. Uh, Penn 14-7 on the season. And, of course, in both cases, softball and baseball, They'll play two today, one game tomorrow. That was a change from a couple of years ago before the pandemic rolled around. Also on the road today, women's lacrosse, which has been kind of disappointing from the win-loss uh, perspective. 2-6 and six on the season, 0-2 oh, in league play. Uh, they'll head down to Harvard, play their arch rivals tomorrow afternoon. That's a 1 o'clock game down at Jordan Field. All-time series is level, 22 wins apiece with one tie. And the last time they played was a 15-11 Dartmouth win back in uh, March of 2019. Last game of a four-game road stretch for Dartmouth, which lost at number two Boston College on Wednesday, 16-5. Uh, Crimson in uh, Ivy League play last weekend were 10-9, double overtime losers to Cornell. Uh, Katie Elders off to a good start for the big green on the lacrosse field this season. She has 20 goals so far. Katina Christensen with 14, and Lucy Murray right behind with 13. Uh, Dartmouth uh, looking to get off the Schneid and get its first win in Ivy League play tomorrow afternoon down at Harvard. So what it limits you to if you are a fan and you want to get out of the house and see some sports action this weekend is men's lacrosse Uh, this afternoon up at Scully Fahey Field. Dartmouth Big Green uh, playing in uh, Ivy League action against number seven Cornell. It's a one o'clock start, Cornell seven and one on the season, Dartmouth four and three. And of course, Dartmouth trying to break that lengthy losing streak in Ivy League uh, action. 29 games, I believe it is, uh, going back uh, at least 2018, 2017 somewhere around there. And actually, um, you can uh, make that 30, I believe it is, after losing to Harvard last weekend, 19 to 10 uh, down in Cambridge. This is the Ivy League home opener for Dartmouth today. Cornell owns a 53-15 lead in the series. Of course, Cornell is routinely nationally ranked one of the better programs in the nation and one of the best Ivy League programs on a year-in, year-out basis. Uh, George Prince has four points in the game against Harvard last week, hat-trick plus an assist. Colin McGill with three points, and Mitchell Myers, nine ground balls in that one. So Dartmouth will need to pick up on all of those areas to get that Ivy League win that's been so elusive for the past few years. Cornell dartmouth men's lacrosse scully fahey field this afternoon at one o'clock you're going to want to bundle up a little bit let's take a break and uh when we come back we'll take a look at who's going to be in charge of some of your high school spring sports programs as i've seen uh the nets go up some of the tennis courts around here we know lacrosse games are going to get started really soon baseball softball not too long after that all sorts of questions to ask about that we'll talk about that next on saturday sports talk stick around Unless, judge, unless we find out what's to blame for the shame Signal to me that spring is only about six weeks away here in the Upper Valley. I see all the azaleas in the background of all the holes at Augusta National, and I realize that uh, the ones I have in my yard probably aren't going to start to bloom until sometime in the middle of May. So, be that as it may, spring sports are getting started around the area. I just was taking a peek on the NHIAA website here, and it's uh, yeah, it's a good sign that we're getting a little bit closer. To normal after two years of dealing with the COVID pandemic, and uh, the way I the reason why I say this is because a lot of the places, uh, college sites that often host uh, New Hampshire state championships, uh, or commercial sites, I guess you could say, uh, are doing so again. Like Northeast Delta Dental Stadium, home of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, will again be hosting the state baseball championships, uh, and it looks like they're planning on doing it in one day. Ten one four seven, for divisions three four. One and two in in that order. Uh, D and M Park at Plymouth State University is going to host the or D and M Park at on one side Chase Field on the other is going to host the state softball championships on the eleventh of June. So that's a good thing to see. Bill Ball Stadium at Exeter High School, which often hosts high school championship material, they'll have boys lacrosse and some of the girls lacrosse. Stellos Stadium will host Bank of New Hampshire Stadium at Laconia High School will host and also um, something that uh, New Hampshire got away with or got away from last year because of uh, scheduling adjustments that had to be made to accommodate COVID restrictions. The state individual tennis tournament appears to be uh, on its way back for boys and girls. I'm just kind of staring things down here for a little bit and of course it'll happen after the team tennis tournaments which Southern New Hampshire University is going to host uh, the finals of which is nice to see coming up in the early part of June. Last year the NHIAA had to cancel the girls and boys individual tennis tournaments because of expanded team uh, tournaments. The regular season shortened because of COVID so they allowed pretty much anybody who wanted to participate in the state team tennis tournaments do so. They had to extend that out, and because of that, they had to cancel, because of the uh, way it encroached on the um, uh, playoff schedule, NHIAA had to cancel the individual uh, tournament, which is always kind of fun to see how your top players compete against players from other divisions around the state. I was looking at some of my old uh, stories from the Valley News last year uh, the other day and came across the uh, Hanover-Bedford girls' Division I semifinal, and uh, it was a 9 nothing loss to Bedford up at Stores Pond, but uh, got to talk to the Bedford coach uh, a bit, and one of the things that he remarked on is that he was very disappointed that the individual states were canceled last year, thought it was a lost opportunity for kids, but of course, scheduling uh, had everything to do with that, not uh, any sort of bias or... Negligence on the NHIAA's part. So it's nice to see that places that have hosted uh, state championships before, particularly college sites like SNHU, like uh, UNH, like uh, uh, Plymouth State, so on and so forth, are going to be hosting again, which, again, uh, as saying before, strikes me as a sign that things are slowly returning to normal uh, as we continue to plot our way through the uh, later stages, hopefully of the pandemic uh you'll start to see in in both the valley news and the concord monitor in the coming week or two previews for the upcoming sports season Now, the monitor is planning on getting the tennis preview in uh, on the monday paper track and field probably on tuesday because that's where we're starting to see games scheduled in new hampshire and i know uh in the case of vermont that uh, Woodstock High, if their field is dry enough, is going to start playing uh, lacrosse this week with the boys taking on Middlebury in a traditional rivalry game, I think, on Thursday. Uh, At least as far as up here in the Upper Valley is concerned, not a huge amount of change as far as um, people who are taking over as coaches. Uh, There is a new uh, baseball coach at Mascoma High School. Hunter Campbell taking over that job from Dave Isom, stepping down after last season. I think Dave uh, spent three years with the Royals. The thing I remember about Dave was the first time I met him, he was wearing a Washington Nationals cap, so he was a winner for me as far as anything was concerned. Uh, Bill Velu, uh, this is going to be neat to see, um, is taking over as baseball coach at Hartford High. Uh, Bill was a co-coach of sorts for Uh, most of last year when Jared Grassy resigned a couple of games into the regular season and has since uh, agreed to step in as the sole head coach. He was co coach with uh, another gent who unfortunately escapes me at the moment. Uh, Bill, of course, was uh, one of the best athletes ever to come out of Hartford High School. Uh, Fine baseball, uh, basketball, football, outstanding in all three through the length of his high school career and ultimately got drafted by the Chicago Cubs back when the Major League Baseball draft was 50 rounds. I think it was like 47th or 48th round. He was in Florida for a couple of years, didn't uh, end up being what he wanted to do, came back to the area, and has since, I think, pretty much lived in this area uh, ever since coming back. He's been involved in youth sports. He's had kids go uh, through the system. Son Colin, uh, daughter Sarah, I believe, uh, both uh, student-athletes at Hartford High, and he himself uh, has turned into a pretty decent golfer. That's uh, something his dad, Dwayne, always did. I remember running into Dwayne on golf courses all the time. Uh, and Bill's a, a decent golfer as well. He's going to take uh, take over the uh, coaching job of Hartford Baseball this season, a squad that was exceptional last year. Just had the misfortune of running into Vermont's best pitcher, a young man who's now uh, uh, down at UConn, I believe, uh, at U-32. Uh some of those kids coming back from Hartford, I don't know if that necessarily means they're going to be a state championship favorite, but still a lot of talent there for uh, for Valu to take up at Hartford. Hanover, also looking like it could have itself a pretty decent baseball team this year. The pandemic kind of uh, screwed things up for Hanover last year in that, of course, we had this regional scheduling situation where they were only playing teams within a short geographic area so as to limit... Uh, the potential for a, uh, a, a, a COVID transfer or a COVID situation. So um, Hanover was playing Lebanon, which of course they always do, but they were also playing Newport and mascoma and uh, Sunapee, teams that weren't of their division and maybe not necessarily of their caliber, so that when the playoffs did get started, they had the misfortune of running into a very good John Stark team and a uh, young man, who uh, is now pitching at New England College, if I'm not mistaken, and John Stark got the uh, win over Hanover to knock them out early in a playoff in which the then-Marauders were expected to, to go pretty deep. Well, a lot of those guys who are now Bears um, have come back and now uh, Hanover with a, a 10-player senior class and some good younger players on the mound like Sam Sacerdote, is going to probably be their ace on the mound this year, and I believe he's a junior. Uh, lead uh, Coach John Granger to have very high hopes for a Hanover team that is one of the few, very few at the school, to have never won a state championship. Um, 2005, I think it was, according to Tris Weick's article in the Valley News this week, uh, the only time that Hanover has made a final, and uh, of course back in the Mike Jackson days, and uh, losing in that final as well. But a lot of talent, a lot of good defense a lot of good hitting and this is a squad that that lost uh ben williams to prep school here's a a kid who i think has division one uh sites and division one talent still pretty young but now down at avon old farms and no longer part of the hanover uh, athletic program but still a lot of talent there for uh coach john granger to take and to employ for the coming year Uh, other than that not a huge number of changes as far as people in charge of baseball programs jay blaine returning for another season with newport sean french somewhere in the neighborhood of 22 or 23 years up at oxbow eric Riker continuing with rivendell uh new coach at stevens paul uh, silva last year uh, Deciding to step down from coaching baseball, so Bill Bundy taking over the Stevens program. Uh, Paul still coaching football and helping out at basketball, but needing to uh, step back just a little bit. Phil Chaput, uh, who of course we see sometimes with the Upper Valley Nighthawks doing stuff with them in the summer, continues to coach. Up at Thetford, Devin Silly, who's done some tremendous stuff, keeping White River Valley uh, as good as they were back in the South Royalton days. He stays with the Wildcats. Uh, Jamie Richardson returning with Windsor. Of course, he's won state championships with the Yellow Jackets. He does a great job. Jason Tarleton uh, in his 22nd or 23rd year at Woodstock, so we get to see him. All over again. We're going to have some new faces in softball around the area. Kelly Mason has taken over at Windsor, Angela uh, Allard uh, with the Woodstock softball program, Thetford has a new coach in Mitchell Morgan. Um, and I believe I, thought I saw one other newbie down there. Yeah, Bethany Robinson, now the new head coach at Lebanon, which uh, had to undergo yet another change of coaches in that program in the offseason. So a lot of new faces four softball coaches around the area. Uh, Lacrosse coaches, still a lot of the same people uh, who have had a lot of success lately. Ryan Gardner and Sarah Martin with the Hanover programs. Grant Whiteway and Heather Hartford, who's been tremendous with the Hartford girls. Uh, Cole Flannery and Sarah Ecker continuing with Lebanon. Of course, Sarah's had a lot of success with the Raiders, even as their rosters have dropped down uh, in terms of numbers over the years. And then Brandon Little back with Woodstock, and I mentioned before, their season's going to start on Thursday, field conditions permitting with uh, a visit from Middlebury, who is a traditional Woodstock rival, uh, dating back years and years and years and years for a uh, WASP program that continues to play at the Division I level. 9.51 is the time. Let's take one more time out. I'm Greg Fettel, and you are listening to Saturday Sports Talk right here on WNTK and WUVR. <laughs> Kid in the house, who, whenever you told him something, always asked, him, "Why?" And then you try to explain, and you get, "Why?" Over and over again. Well, that's why we're asking questions today on Saturday Sports Talk, starting with a song called "Question" by The Fix. After that, Two Way Army. You might recognize that sound. That's the band that Gary Newman had in England back in 1979, before he decided to release future music under his name because he was doing all the songwriting, doing all the singing, all the production but he kept his two bandmates as backups. So they went from Two-Way Army to Gary Newman, who, of course, you know from Cars fame. Buzzcocks, uh, Ever Fallen in Love, Your Mandatory Ramones, Do You Want to Dance, Your Rhythmics, Would I Lie to You? And the Pixies with the question I ask myself every day before caffeine hits, Where is my mind? Your questionable bump music here on Saturday Sports Talk at 956. Thank you to Daffy Dan down in the studio for pulling all of that out for us. Um, since we're in the middle of... Not a lot of anything as far as Upper Valley is concerned. The the one big story from sports yesterday that resonates with me is the World Cup draw. Uh, being a soccer fan, uh, Soccer Krishna, it's always interesting to see how the groups pan out when the 32 teams are all uh, pulled out of the uh, uh, various bowls to determine who goes where. Of course, things are preset to a certain extent. Teams are ranked 1, 2, 3, 4, they are set up in such a fashion that no group will have more than two European teams. Uh, there are uh, other safeguards to make sure that the draw is as fair as possible. But it's always interesting to see how it all turns out because you see, uh, you know, you're bound to, to run into some interesting matchups. The, uh, the big one, I think, for... Uh, fans of the game and the talent of the game is the group that's going to pit Argentina and Poland against each other, because you're dealing with games involving the uh, Ballon d'Or winner in uh, Lionel Messi in Argentina, the FIFA Best Award winner, which is Robert Lewandowski and Poland. Um, in his case, he may not have the depth of talent to get the polls out of the group, or at least not much beyond the round of 16. We shall see with that. Um, Canada. This is a nation that people knew nothing about, had no expectations for when CONCACAF qualifying began earlier this year. And all they did was go undefeated in their first 11 matches, I believe it was, and ultimately win the group. And that, I think, threw Mexico, the United States, and Costa Rica, and to a lesser extent Panama for a bit of a loop because that then essentially took those four teams and forced them to play for two play, uh, two guaranteed spots plus a playoff spot. Uh, the U.S. was not mathematically guaranteed qualifying for the World Cup going into Wednesday's matchup at Costa Rica, a place they've never won in qualifying. They just couldn't lose by more than five goals. And, of course, that at least they could do. So while some of the people who don't know anything about soccer will say the U.S. backed into it, getting that 5-1 win over Panama last week basically ensured that the U.S. could uh, not have to, to risk anything down in San Jose and to get the result to get into the tournament. Of course, the big deal is the draw put them up against Iran, and everybody knows that there is no particular love for the Iranians at the political level, but to give them some credit, when they played in 1998 in France, the Iranian players arrived with white roses for their American counterparts before the game. Very nice gesture then they went beat the U.S. So we'll see how that goes. It doesn't uh, occur until November in Cotter, and there will be certainly more political ramifications uh, away from the soccer field before we get to that point. I'm Greg Fennell. Uh, Thank you very much for tuning in to Saturday Sports Talk today. Also, thanks to Dapper Dan down at the studio for his hard work. We've got uh, Bob Hingston coming along with Ralph Woodard for Valley Buzz in just a little bit. They'll take you up until 12 to wrap up three hours of live and local here on WNTK and WUVR. Once again, you've been listening to Saturday Sports Talk. I'm Greg Fennell. Let's take seven days off. We'll do it again next week at this time on WNTK and WUVR. Have a great weekend, everybody.